Welcome to More Than a Few Words, a marketing conversation for small business owners. MTFW is a production of Roundpeg, where we help small businesses become big businesses. As always, you can join the conversation by calling in with your questions at 805-285-9865. Or you can share your thoughts on Twitter. Be sure to use the hashtag MTFW. Now, let's get the conversation started. Good afternoon, everybody. This is Lorraine, and welcome to another episode. It is a beautiful Wednesday afternoon in Indianapolis, so I hope that you're listening to today's program from somewhere in the sunshine. With me today, I've got Greg Simonson. Greg is the principal of Simon's Bitzer. Hey, Greg, how are you? I'm doing great today. Greg, we are so glad that you could join us today. Thank you. Um, and I know that some of you are out there going, oh, good Lord, we're talking about accounting. But folks, if you're going to be in business, the numbers are important. And so today, we're going to talk about the numbers, because if you can get the numbers working right for you, you can enjoy that Wednesday afternoon in the sunshine. Exactly. And analyzing versus doing the numbers. Absolutely. So most of you have probably just finished your income taxes, and you're thinking, okay, I'm done. But are they really done, Greg? Um, actually, no. Uh, you know, I don't know. Many business owners, after getting their taxes back, they find out they're surprised that they owed a lot to the IRS, and we know that's always kind of a bummer. And so, and sometimes that happens because there hasn't been proper tax planning throughout the year. So, as soon as you get your taxes back, it's time to start planning for the next year so you can. Uh, really get take advantage of all the deductions and uh, get your tax taxable income minimized. So what kind of things should I be doing? It's it's May. I own a small business. What kind of things should I be doing or asking my accountant about now that will help me manage my tax burden early next year? Exactly. Good question. Well, the first thing we need to start thinking about is what kind of estimated tax payments do you need to make on a quarterly basis? Uh, always people make the assumption that, you know, you get your tax bill and you need to pay in as much uh, during the year as you paid in the prior year. But that's sometimes not the case. Maybe uh, you uh, sold something and uh, made a huge gain on that in the prior year, or you had a better year than what you might be having this year. We hope that's not the case, but sometimes it is you may not need to be paying in as much. So it's good to talk with your accountant and figure out what occurred last year and what kind of things could occur this year so you can be either adjusting your estimated tax payments, either up or down, or also adjusting your tax withholdings um, that's withheld from your uh, regular wages. So th that's one thing to look at. Okay, so um, as I'm looking at kind of what do I pay in quarterly or not quarterly, um, what about other conversations about planning, uh, capital planning? So when do I do I buy that new computer in December or January? What kind of things should I be thinking about along the lines of more capital types of purchases? Exactly, and that's a very good question because this year is the last year, unless Congress surprises us again, but this is the last year that you will get the higher accelerated depreciation on the purchase of equipment. Um, for example, the first $500,000 of equipment that you purchase in this 
has been the case the last uh, three or four years since the recession hit, you could write up up to $500,000 off. Wow. After this year, that number goes back down to 125000 Now, if you're a small business, you may say, well, that's still plenty. That's fine. But there are a lot of businesses that, you know, end up purchasing that much in assets. So if you're, if, if you're you know, going to be making some large purchases, this is the last year to uh, be doing that. So uh, that's one thing to think about. Another thing, let's, let's say that uh, you're an LLC or you're that Schedule C business, that sole proprietorship, and and you were very profitable last year, but you were paying a lot of tax. You have that self-employment tax, your regular taxes, and before you know it, you're close to that 50% level. It may be time to think about converting over to becoming an S-corporation, where the profits of an S-corporation um, are not subject to self-employment tax. Now, you might have to pay yourself some wages. You have to pay yourself some reasonable comp that compensation, but there are ways of saving a lot in FICA Medicare tax uh, by uh, switching over to an S corporation. So once again, it's taking a look at your business entities set up. Is there a a dollar amount that you know if you're making twenty five, thirty, forty thousand dollars in profit? Is there a dollar amount that you should use as a ballpark to say maybe I need to be um, an S corp now? Um, what we like to say is, and it depends on the business and the dollar amount, but let's say that, um, let's say you are making um, $50,000 a year and, and um, so you decide, okay, um, I'm gonna, I want to become an S corporation and I'm going to pay about 30000 in compensation, so there's going to be $20,000 uh, that, uh, that, that, that filters through as profit that I take distributions for. You take that number times let's say about 12.5%. So there's about oh, close to $3,000 in savings that you can have in the FICA Medicare tax. Very cool. So yeah, I, uh, I know that um, I started out, like I think a lot of businesses 11 years ago, I was um, a sole proprietorship. Mm -hmm. And about two years in, my accountant looked at my taxes and said to me, you know, you can save a lot of money if we can switch you, let's do it January 1, but we had everything sort of lined up so exactly. that I knew that's what yes. I was going to do on that day. Exactly, exactly. So, so it's looking at those kind of things and, and, and really taking a review of prior year and then um, looking at the current year. Another thing that's going to occur this year or is already occurring is with the Affordable Care Act, uh, the Obamacare Act, there's going to be a lot of additional taxes. Bad news there, but um, so anyway, you need to take a look at that. For example, and, and this is if your business is successful and you're, you know, making income at $200,000 plus or uh, married filing jointly 250 and above. It used to be that you have your business that has, that also owns a building, so you have an LLC with a rental property. The yes. idea, the idea, typically would be you want more income to go into your rental property and less into your regular business because regular business income is more subject to that self-employment tax, whereas rentals aren't. But under Obamacare, if you're above that 250000 mark, suddenly now on that passive income, you're going to have to pay an extra 3.8% tax to pay wow. for the Obamacare. So now business owners need to rethink that in terms of how much profits they want to go over to those rental properties. So it might be time to adjust that rental income. Now, I'll give a caveat to that. 
it needs to be based upon arm's length transactions. You, you you know you have to be ensuring that it's a reasonable amount based upon market conditions. But you, you, can, you can you can't uh, suddenly start renting the property for five thousand dollars a month or fifty dollars a month if it that's is, not comfortable going rate for the property. Exactly, or just decide you don't want to pay any rent. Yes, that that will not quite work. So okay, so now the the let me get clear on that. Is that change in the law, is that in effect in 2013 or 2014? 2013. Okay, so for companies, so like Roundhead, we own uh, or I own the building that we, we run the business out of. Yes. It is a separate entity. Mm -hmm. There is an a, a LLC for that. Yes. So I really need to be talking to my accountant about how much I'm paying in rent and make those adjustments now. Yes, that is a possibility. That is if if your income is above those levels. So that's that, that's one thing you need to think about there. Cool. All right. Well, let's switch over um, and not talk just about tax, but this whole area of of the numbers that you run your business because um, it's all sort of moot if you're not making any money in the business. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> As a business owner, the easy one is, of course, I, I look at my top line. I look at, at how much I sold. But what are those other numbers that really I should be looking at to make sure that both short-term and long-term I've got a healthy entity? Um, yeah, very good question. Uh, well, you need to be looking at your profit and loss statement as a whole, you know, not only your sales. In fact, I've, I've heard to Ms. Nomer so many times that sales cures all ills. Nice. And, no, that is that is so far from the truth. I've seen business owners, they go out there, they're they're you know, what going out there, working hard to increase sales, but their business is out of control. And so a lot of times when you see you can have a situation where you have too much in sales. If you're out of control, you're gonna be losing money. Uh, and so you really need to take a look at your whole profit and loss statement altogether. You know, what kind of things make up uh, what things are directly related to sales that are uh, direct expenses? For example, what kind of materials do you have to pay for? If you're, or if you're in a service type business, what kind of labor makes up um, is, is necessary for those sales? And then what's your fixed expenses? How much is rent each month? Uh, utilities, you know, all the different things that are necessary to run the business. And at the end of the day, what do you have left? But that's still not far enough. A lot of business owners say, looking at my P&L is enough. But I've, I've seen some stories where someone says, you know, I have a business owner that says, you know, Greg, I made $50,000 this year. My P&L shows that. Why don't I have any cash? Well, we start looking at the balance sheet, and we see, well, they have debt. You know, let's say you have trucks or other equipment that you have to borrow money for. You know, this business over here that made $50,000 uh, on their income statement, well, what they don't realize is that they had $100,000 in principal payments on their debt. So you start taking that out, suddenly you're cash poor by $50,000. So you have to take a look at uh, not only the P&L, but the cash aspects, and then what we call the key performance indicators. Okay, well, let's, before we jump all the way down into these, let's kind of back up and go a little bit deeper. Um, uh, a lot of people don't know this. I actually at one point in my life was going to be an accountant. So everything you're saying to me makes perfect sense. But for a lot of our listeners who are not accountants, 
when they're looking at that P&L um, and they start comparing, I sold $25,000 this month and I sold $30,000 the month before, but I actually make more profit. What kind of things should they be looking at to figure out why are they making, why is the business more profitable with less sales? Exactly. Very good question. And the first thing you have to look at is your margins. You have to take a look at what direct expenses um, are being incurred to reach your sales. Um, for example, you know, the month that you had less sale or, or more sales but made less money, you need to take a look at it. Were we, were we not uh, as efficient with our expenses? Or I can think of, okay, someone in the restaurant industry, you know, all right, we had more sales this month, but we had less expenses. Well, maybe they were, you know, on the food items. Maybe they were stacking too many condiments on, on their food items or whatever and, and really don't need to be doing that. So uh, you have that issue there. Another thing's in the construction industry. That's a big one. You know, maybe uh, a contractor, they took on a job they weren't quite as familiar with or not as efficient with. So they go out there, they get this big commercial job. It takes longer. It takes longer. Uh, you know, the, they don't understand the materials. Maybe they're not able to get a discount on the materials or, um, or they're, they're less efficient there. So you really need to take a look at that. And so that kind of goes back to that idea that more is not always more. Exactly. Exactly. When, and, and this was kind of an interesting thing that we looked at at Roundpeg. As we were growing our business, there is a point at which a lot of companies, I think, need to think of themselves as manufacturing companies. We manufacture websites. Mm -hmm. We can make X number in our manufacturing process to make one more. So that's a little more revenue. I have to add a person. And exactly. so suddenly, to get a little more revenue, I have to get a lot more expense. Exactly. And that's where it becomes uh, challenging is when you start hitting those sales levels and now suddenly, oh, wow, we need, we need to add a person or we need to add that head. And it's like, okay, now what do we do with that? And so now you have to sell harder. So exactly. My, um, my attitude, and it doesn't always work, but my attitude is whenever I hit a capacity wall, first line of defense is raise your prices. Because I can continue to make as many widgets as I did a year ago, mm -hmm. but I'm selling them for more. Sure. Because otherwise, if you don't do that, you're always sort of chasing your tail. Exactly. You, you certainly don't want to be in the business where you're competing on price or you're giving the big discounts because... And these are mathematical equations, and I wish I had my little book with me here. But, you know, it gives you little matrices, and it indicates that, you know, if you raise your price, let's say you, I'm just going to make up these numbers, but let's say you raise your prices 10%, and your margins are X percentage, you can lose, you know, let's say 30% of your business can still just be just as profitable mm -hmm. on the bottom line. And, and those are mathematical facts. If you lower your prices, you have to just increase your business so much in order to just get back where you were before. So we always really say, you know, don't get into the game of competing on price if you don't need to. Yeah, it's, um, I, I think, and especially if the more you look at your numbers, the more you will realize that that is a lose-lose a proposition. Yes. yes. Um, the second thing that you started to talk about was the difference between 
profit and cash in your business. Yes. Why don't you talk on that a little bit more? Yes. Well, when we talk about uh, profit, uh, basically, you know, profit is defined as your sales less your expenses that are occurring equals your profit. And expense is, you know, a, an item that you're incurring. Um, but let's say things that don't affect profit are, for example, what if you sell items on account? Accounts receivable. I think all of us as business owners, we know how, how tough that can be. A lot of people don't want to pay you until you call them asking for the money. So let's say you're in a business and your sales continue to increase. Well, every month that your sales increase, your receivables are going to increase too. And if your customers don't pay you for 30 days, that's cash out there that your customers are holding. You know, you're investing in those receivables. So uh, that can have an effect on well, your, in on your uh, cash flow. You know, uh one of the things that, one of the, the ratios that I always look at, and I've done this since the very beginning of the business, is I always look at my accounts receivable and my current liabilities. Yes. Do I have enough money that's going to come in in the next couple of weeks that will allow me to pay all those bills? But I have a customer that shall remain nameless. They're a very big company. Mm -hmm. And um, they're terms are net 90 days. I know that I'm not going to get paid yes. for three months. Mm -hmm. That's okay. There's a great big payout at the end of three months. But I um, I have to pay my employees yes. this month. Yes. I have to pay my subcontractors this month. Exactly. And um, so when it, before I take on a project with that client, I have to make sure I have another uh, enough quick short-term projects. Yes, yes, yeah. When you when you get to the longer terms, it, it takes a lot of planning and finagling, and really, uh, that's why a lot of businesses that have both inventory and receivables have to take on lines of credits with the bank to cover those kind of things. Yeah, and um, so ratios. There are some quick ratios that you can use, kind of looking at your P&L, looking at your balance sheet, that help you figure out, am I heading into trouble exactly. before I get there? Exactly. Um, and and one, of those, one of the most common ratios, we call it the current ratio. And basically, that's looking at your balance sheet and taking a look at, what are my current assets? Now, current assets are those assets that either you have in cash, they include things like cash, receivables, inventory, prepaids. They're those items that are either already cash or are going to turn into cash for you within one year. So those are your current assets. You compare those to your current liabilities. Your current liabilities are things like payables, your current portion of long-term debt, you know, the principal payments that are due within a year. Um, any other kind of liabilities out there, your credit cards and those kind of things, anything that's due in one year. So basically, you compare your current assets to your current liabilities. I certainly hope that your business has more current assets than current liabilities or you're in trouble. But what you do is you take that current assets divided by current liabilities and come up with a ratio. And a very healthy ratio would be a two to one, where your current assets are two times more than your current liabilities. 
if you're at less than one, you're in trouble. You know, 1.2, not so good, but you want to be in there. Also, if it's very high, let's say it's, you know, a five or six to one, you need to take a look at that too. You know, is it time to invest in additional things to cause your business to grow or is it that you have too much inventory or too much receivables on your books which are bloating those out a little bit? So, Well, and, you know, it's funny when you study gear, um, in a business like ours, yes. we don't have inventory. Mm-hmm. Um, we have nominal assets. We've got computers. So, you know, if I took my, my Mac computers away from my designer, you would think it was a capital offense. <laughs> but there's not a lot of assets. And so for us, and because our projects are shorter term, two to three months, I've always looked at um, not even what's going to happen in a year. I'm looking at what's going to turn in the next 30 to 60 to 90 days. Absolutely. Because it won't do me any good, and especially with this client that pays out in 90 days, it's great that that's going to happen in 90 days. That's not going to help me make my payroll in 30. Exactly. And what we always suggest to businesses is that um, you should always do what we call a rolling cash projection, something that is rolling your cash out, let's say, for 90 days. And, and it can be very simple, a projection where you start off with, what's my beginning cash for the week? What deposits do I expect to come in? What's my payroll expected to be? What other expenses are due? What's principal payments due on debt and those kind of things? What are some of my debt payments? Equals my net cash activity, which then equals my ending cash. It's a good thing to do that plan for every week and going out about, you know, in this case, 90 days would be a good idea. So you know, over 90 days, this is what we look, look like. And allows you to set goals. Hey, in three weeks, I'm seeing that that number is negative. I, I need to, you know, get out there a little bit harder and, and collect more cash. Or B, maybe you're in a seasonable business or, or you know that you're going to have to borrow money. Well, if this shows that and you're okay with that, well, when that week comes up where you have to borrow money, you're not so not scared. Yeah, you're not surprised. Because, you know, it, it's always the concept of surprise which makes business people go crazy. But if you budget out, you do cash projections, and, you know, it's part of the plan, then it's not a big deal anymore. Yeah, that um, uh, that's the thing that I think a lot of business owners maybe wait too long. Yes. They Because they're not paying attention to the numbers. They don't know, because they're looking at, well, this company owes me $20,000, that money is coming. The problem is that that payroll commitment comes just a little sooner, and then they're scrambling, and they're putting it on their credit cards, they're actually borrowing at very high rates. Yes, yes, we see that a lot too. You know, credit cards are very high interest rates, which brings another thing to think about. You know, it's not only about looking at financials from a historical standpoint, but as business owners, once you have that down, looking at them externally and understanding what they're telling you, it's then really using them to project in the future. That's when they really help you with your success. So as I want to look at my financial statements, I've got you know, my basics down. I've got time for maybe one key thing I should look at that will help me maybe grow the business, figure out where I can invest. What, kind of, what pieces of all of those numbers should I be looking at? 
Oh boy. Uh, well, first of all, you need to take a look at. Um, you need to get an understanding. Are you growing? Because you know, if if you're not really growing, then there's then there's no reason to invest. But if you're looking at certain numbers and projections, and you're saying, hey, my my sales are going to be um, increasing. We just you know we have this contract out there. You may say, okay. Well, what kind of things do I need to invest in to support that? Do I need more computer equipment or do I need another employee? Maybe you need a combination of all those kinds of things. Or, you know, you're in a construction business. Okay, we're going to start getting more projects. Now I need to buy another truck uh, to support that. So it just depends on the type of business that you're into. So. Cool. All right. I, I, it's really hard to believe that we have buzzed through 25 minutes. Time goes fast when we're having fun talking about accounting. <laughs> you know, I, I never, uh, well, I actually did think that I would say that talking about accounting was fun because I, yeah. I, I am kind of a numbers geek. But I, I think this has been really good because it's really helped people sort of break down um, in layman's terms some of the things they should be looking at. Yeah, and I can say that when we go out to businesses, I can tell pretty quickly you know, ones that are successful and, and the businesses that are not, those that really look at the numbers and, and utilize those, you definitely see a difference in the level of success. Yeah, I think I think that's really the key is, yes, you, you, you should, um, it doesn't make sense for most businesses to try to run all their financials themselves, but the changes in the tax law, there's no way I want to be preparing my tax statements. Yes. But you should, I think you should be able to run a report in QuickBooks and look at it and go, I know what this means. Exactly. That's very important. And you make another good point. As a business owner, if you're doing the books, that's not where you should be spending your time. And, and we always learn. And to me, when you're in business, the reason to do it is to create freedom for yourself. You shouldn't be doing the things that you don't like to do, nor that you're good at doing. Those kind of things... Uh, should be either outsourced or you know hire someone part time or depending upon you know the size of your business. For me, I always liked and, and I've had somebody else do a lot of my basic bookkeeping forever. Yes. I balance the check statement once a month because it's very doable, mm -hmm. and that allows me to make sure are things in the right category. Mm -hmm. Because if they're not if they're not categorized right, then when I run my P&L, it's not going to make sense. Exactly. And, and that's okay, along with it also ensures that there's controls there. Absolutely. Um, I, I think that uh, one of the biggest ways to go out of business is to completely get hands off on your financials. Exactly. You know, you, you, do need to, you do need to, you know, have some sort of review and hands on, exactly. Cool. All right. So as we're wrapping up, if people want to know more about you and where to find you, how can they get in touch with you, Greg? Okay, well, first of all, uh, you can uh, call us directly. At, our number is 317-782-3070. Or you can go to our website, and that is www.simonsfitzer.com. Um, it's S-I-M-O-N-S. -S B is on boy, I-T-Z-E-R.com. There'll also be a link um, along with this podcast, so you certainly can click through from there. Um, this, is, this has been really good. I think it's a really kind of a helpful overview on some things that people need to think about. You've still got more than half a year, folks, to get your numbers in order. Exactly.
Awesome. Great. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me today. My Enjoy. pleasure. This is good. If you've enjoyed today's conversation, if you'd like to learn more about marketing, marketing strategy, social media, and web design, be sure to check out our blog at roundpeg.biz. This has been another episode of More Than a Few Words. Thanks for listening.